Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Claire. Uh, this one is episode 50-5-0. We have arrived at some sort of milestone that feels relevant to me. So, my guest again is Craig Bongelli. I'm very happy to be back. <laughs> and Craig Bongelli has no idea what I have prepped for us to talk about at all. And we like it that way. Don't worry, I'm just adjusting the audio. Okay, so my introduction for you this time, see, I didn't even prep an intro. You were a guest a handful of episodes back, and the title of that was You're Running Out of Time. And for the record, this might come as no surprise to you, but the feedback that I have received on that episode was really good. People really enjoyed it. And we both know that I now have one of my coaching clients that their significant other is working with you, which is very cool to me. And me, all of those things. I, it's mildly surprising that people liked it so much, but I'm grateful. Mildly surprising. But, and working with the, I guess I shouldn't drop his name, working with the husband of your client <laughs> yeah. has been excellent. He's been crushing things. Yeah, good. Yeah, actually, I didn't even think to like be like, how's that going, bro? Uh, but I just talked to my client about it. So, <laughs> okay. So just, I guess I'll go ahead and give context again for anyone who didn't listen to that one, which I'm going to recommend that you do. But... Craig is a coach and he has a strength background and owned a gym in Canada where he lived previously. I'm saying own a gym, right? You did yeah. Own a gym. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And then now over the past year, he has transitioned into the US of A and on his keychain, I did notice when he came in today, he has a little, little thing that says, don't mess with Texas. So he has really, I mean, he, he changed his name on the internet to the Conjugate Cowboy. Like he is embracing Texas like you wouldn't believe. He's happy to be here. Texas is the best. When when people from Canada, I was talking to one of my clients who was a former number one ranked boxer in the world and a good friend of mine. Okay. And we were talking on the phone this morning. He's like, so what's it really like? I'm like, everything is either a lateral move or better. And most things are better. Texas is just better. I love it. I love it so much. In this moment, it doesn't even have to be the overall, but in this moment, what's your favorite thing about Texas? I love the attitude of Texans. The mix of friendliness and helpfulness with the like stereotypical don't tread on me is the coolest thing ever. Like it's it's the nicest mix of personal freedom as a value mm -hmm. and community as a value as well. Yep. I love it. I like the community as a value because they definitely, of course, we know I'm crazy about that. But just I constantly consume other podcasts that feel educational, insightful, et cetera. And just all of the evidence, which I would butcher if I tried to like paraphrase here now, or even much less try to say like accurately, but just all of the evidence to support the fact that like, we are not supposed to do this stuff alone. Like we as creatures are not designed in such a fashion to be out here doing stuff alone. And so I completely agree that I love living in Austin specifically where like, we just get that. Agreed. It's built in very quickly yes in austin but i found it across texas anywhere i've gone yeah it's a it's a different feel you're loving it okay so i have a handful of topics that you know nothing about to talk about which is fun for me and but before we start into whatever i decided i want to speak to you about on this day i want to know what's been on your mind today today on my mind today. I've, and it can even be within the past week because you just you just really 
play on some fun ideas. So I just figured I'd start out by blindsiding you with like, what's Craig's brain doing right now? Craig's ba- brain. Craig's brain. What a <laughs> what a bad word to make a mistake on. I'm talking about my brain and speaking poorly. Incredible. The two things that have been specifically on my mind have been my personal goals for the next three to six months and what kind of personal upgrades I want to make. Uh, and second, I've been thinking a lot about relationships, specifically my own with Carrie, whom is my wife, for anyone who doesn't know. I assume now everyone knows who Carrie is whenever I say the name. Mm-hmm. Like it almost seems, it's like I'm saying Elvis. I could be talking to someone who's never met me. I'm like, you know, Carrie. Yeah, yeah. Like I just expect them to know. Yes. Like I'm almost offended if they don't. I fully support that. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about that. I don't know why, but I've been analyzing it, processing it, feeling grateful for it. So the first topic I'm going to go into is absolutely about relationship. And certainly that's one in like, we're going to go there. So we're going to go there. The personal three to six month stuff, anything you want to shed light on, or even just your, your approach, your thought, why are you thinking about those things? And what are you thinking about in thinking about them? So not even necessarily what are the goals if you don't, if you're not prepared to share some of that stuff, but like what's going on in your brain to help you like equip you to try to tackle whatever those things are. I audit my life regularly. I'll break it down into categories, um, to help me focus on them more specifically Mm. and, and audit what I think is good, what I think could be better. And typically I'll do roughly quarterly planning sessions where I break down my life into a variety of areas decide what the flaws are, what the holes are in that area, come up with a plan to fix it. And then once I've made those fixes, I sit there for a little bit until I start to get this internal twinge. And then from there, I imagine stepping outside of myself and I look at me like someone I, I don't like. Like if I see me across the street, if I know about me and I'm, I'm a hater, what holes am I poking? Because people might be like, oh, I don't like Craig because I think tattoos are stupid. Like, I don't think tattoos are stupid, so that doesn't matter to right, me. Right, yeah, you were good. But what, what holes would I poke in my relationships, in my fitness, in my level of intelligence or knowledge? What holes would I poke in me if I wanted to hurt me? And the big ones, the biggest ones that come to mind, uh-huh. over the next quarter, I fix. And then I just repeat the process. How long have you had this method of approach? Something like four years ago. I was moving my gym from one location to another and they were renovating a church into like a bunch of co-working spaces and I took the basement. So I was working in there during the well evenings. So I would coach at my current location. Mm. Then I would come there and work. Then I would go write a magazine article because I was writing for magazines at the time. Then I would do a night <laughs> at, at the, or in the infantry when I was still in the army as a reservist. So I was very busy. I was sleeping. Yeah, that was just four years ago? Yeah. God, it's so crazy how much your life has dramatically changed in the last handful of years. And That's kind of wild to me as your friend. And this is why. So one day I'm sitting there and I'm, I've had this like gnawing feeling. I'm like, my life isn't great. Like it's good, but it's not great. Like I'm not, I'm not pumped about it. Why not? I became a pro strongman the way I wanted to. I ran a marathon. I joined the army. I built a business out of nothing. Mm-hmm. I've got a decent relationship. So I went up into the church, which is empty, took some paper and tried to categorize life into as many 
as many verticals as I could. Mm-hmm. And so I came up with 10 or 12 of them and wrote out what I thought would be ideal in each. And my idea was I was going to come back the next day and then compare it to what my life is now or now relative to then. Mm. And I came back the next day and I looked at everything I wrote and I was so embarrassed because most of it was a lie. Most of it was what I thought I'd like someone to read if they found it. It's what I'd like people to believe that I wanted, not what I really wanted. So I tried again. And it took me four or five iterations before I got to something that I thought was as honest as I could be, even with myself. And this was a horrifying experience. Mm. It's like, I can't even be honest about what I want with me. Like, it was an insane idea. So once I had that, I looked at each of the areas that I thought were as honest as I could make them. And then compared my life to them. It was like, I'm way off. I'm way off. Mm -hmm. And from there, I ended up ending the relationship I'd had. I started changing my business. I started changing my fitness goals. I made a list of all of the people I personally felt I owed an apology to for some way I had treated them. And sent it to all of them. Did you have a coach involved in this? A mentor? A something community saying like, Hey, these are things that you should do. Or had you just observed enough of life and felt like this was the right move because to go and choose to like say sorry to all the people that you think you've done harm to, that's a big thing to do. And oftentimes for me, I've had the opportunity to do that in my adult life in the past few years as well. But I had people telling me to do that and showing me how to do that. And so I'm just curious, like, did anybody, or did you just like realize this is something that you need to do to get out of your own way? Uh, I came up with the idea, essentially applying the strategy I would use with a training goal to my life. I went, okay, here, my training goal is to be the best CrossFitter I can be. Oh, is that your current goal? <laughs> Things Not have quite. changed. Not quite. <laughs> but if I were to take somebody who comes in, they're like, I want to be a great CrossFitter. Uh-huh. I go, okay, let's sit down. What are all the elements that make up a great CrossFitter? Mm-hmm. And then we'll start to compare where you are currently with them. And we could start to, what is the weakest link? What is the second weakest link? What are the holes we have to fill? Yeah. How can we fill more of them at the same time? Like, well, how can we 80-20 this? Mm-hmm. And I did that with my life. Because I realized one of the biggest deficits was I wasn't, honest. I wasn't honest enough with me. Yep. I wasn't honest enough with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought to change that and mildly to punish myself for it, I go do these apologies. I'm like, that seems like a good idea. That's a good way to teach me a lesson. Mm-hmm. And it fixes this and it starts building the habit that I want to build. So I essentially just approached it like a training program. When you headed off on that journey, would you say now in hindsight that that's something that like so you chose to do that. You're happy you did that? Very. You would even recommend that to others? I'm very cautious to recommend anything to people that I don't feel like I am a, a world-level expert in. Okay. So if I'm talking about deadlifts, yep. I'll tell anybody what I think they need to do with a deadlift. Mm-hmm. With other things, all I'm willing to do is share my experience. And for me... If I had done that earlier in my life, I wouldn't have been prepared to do it. And I, even if I had the balls to go apologize to people or to make amends the way I thought I should, I would have gone right back into causing the same problems again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, cool. 
every year I'll have a list of 10 people I have to go apologize to. Right. Like, great. So if somebody's in that position and genuinely sick of where they are, because I think very few people make changes in their life because they want to be somewhere else. I think it's more so that people don't like where they are yeah, anymore. Pain's a beautiful motivator. A brilliant one. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's there, I think it's definitely worth a shot. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that makes me think of this. This is uh, some quotes and some stuff that I that I pulled from a post of Chris Williamson's, and it was making reference to other quotes, so I'm, I'm just going to do the best I can. But it, it's cool because what you're saying here relates to this, so I'm just going to read something to you. Please. Uh, so it's one thing to get what you want. It's another thing to want what's worth getting. Your life should be lived by design, not by default. There goes your audit. Blindly following your desires makes you a slave to your impulses, slave to the assumptions of those around you, the advertisements you are exposed to, and the confused chemical signals of your body. If we don't pause and ask ourselves what we want to want, we will spend our lives focused on unhealthy aims defined by us, I'm sorry, defined for us by others and the worst parts of ourselves. We will pass these bad assumptions about life onto our children and loved ones. We will reinforce these boring and desperate defaults in everyone we encounter. To achieve freedom, we must be able to think for ourselves. In short, your default factory settings are rubbish. Don't follow them. People who do will never actualize their potential either for happiness or for success. Through deliberate training that at first feels tedious, we can eventually arrive at a point where we actually want what we want to want. Your life should be lived by design, not by default. Feels relevant. It does. I. Oh, pick it apart. This is ironic. I've I've been sent things that Chris Williamson has said, shared, whatever. Sure. Um, and I really want to like them, but everything I get sent by him, yeah, uh, part of me hates. Ooh, okay. Um, oh, let's dig. Why? I think there's fundamental misconceptions with things that sound very wise. Okay. So I've used the term want to want quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, oppositely. I think people want to want a lot of things. Sure. And it doesn't work. I think you can see it in all of the things people talk about wanting, start doing and never finish. They want to want them. Your fat aunt who's gained and lost 10 pounds every three months for five years wants to want to be in shape. Mm -hmm. I also believe that we are not smart enough to plan our lives and then become this person who genuinely wants it. I think whether somebody's comfortable using God, the universe, whatever, mm-hmm. places in us certain things that we will not, do not understand, and can't entirely plan for. And I, I would take major issue with the idea that our factory settings are wrong. Mm. I, I think that is a foolish statement. I believe our factory settings are 100% correct. Uh, there's a coach named Wes Watson, who was a guy who was in jail in Cali, came out, got super tatted, now has 10 Ferraris and yeah, is familiar. blowing up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So his whole thing is you should become the person you admire. 
And I think that is 100% what people should be focused on. Yeah. You're, you have inside you, your factory setting, so to speak. I believe you're drawn to certain things. There are certain things you find admirable. And I don't think you can design that. I don't think your factory settings are wrong. I don't think you can circumvent it. I think you can ignore it for your whole life and die unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I think you can convince yourself that you want the thing you actually want. But that quote puts me in mind almost of the kid who's growing up and he, he really wants to be a painter. But his parents convince him he should want to be a lawyer or a doctor because it makes sense. And eventually maybe he thinks he wants to want that and can get there enough. But that sounds like Stockholm Syndrome to me. It doesn't sound like following who you're meant to be. I think our factory settings are correct. And I think the thing we're drawn to, and not the thing we're drawn to because a commercial says it. Uh Like, I don't want a Buick because I saw a commercial with Tiger Woods driving a goddamn Buick. You don't. The the thing where you look around, you're like, wow, that guy's physique, that woman's relationship, that guy's ability to swing a golf club, to speak another language, whatever. Mm -hmm. The things that you just catch you that you're either resentful of at first because you're like, God damn, how do they have that? Or the thing you genu- genuinely admire. Mm-hmm. Those are implanted in you, I believe. And I believe it is our job to go then search them out. God, so many notes. Because this makes me, you know, that this, I, I was going to at some point ask you about your disposition about, you know, seeking, right? And you just said something in that regard that I I think it's very interesting to just look at your own history and I can look at my own history and whenever I can put something together where I realize I want to seek something or I want to start to head a direction and like actively pursue whatever it is, I seem to go that direction. So it's kind of empowering to think that that works, right? Like, do you, would you agree that so, so the, the easy catch would, or, whatever would be seek and you shall find, you know? Yeah. You'll at least find something further. Mm -hmm. You'll at least find the next step. As long as you're doing that from the thing that's inside you, it's like love. I can't tell you what love feels like. I can't tell you how to cultivate it. I can't tell you how to pull it up, Mm -hmm. but when you know it, you know, when you see something that inspires you, something that like, you feel to your core, you're like, that's amazing. Yeah. That aspect of that woman or that man is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing you should start chasing down. And who knows what else opens up to you as you get closer to it. You might think you see an island. We're now on a boat. We're on an old sailboat. We're oh, looking okay. out at an island. Okay. We think we see an island. <laughs> We're like, wow, that's a mi- I want to go there. Yep. As you start sailing closer, you might realize that was four little islands that all looked like a single mass from the distance you were at. Mm-hmm. And then you might be like, oh, that's the island I want to go to. Then it might be, oh, I want to go to that part of that island. Mm-hmm. I want to go to that whatever. Right. As you get closer, your vision will get clearer. All you need is a direction that you're inspired by. And if you start genuinely trying to move towards that, the rest will reveal itself in time. Yep. Just sounds like action to me. Like what that comes down to is action. Like you have to, you, you I mean, we are humans in motion. We're going to go somewhere, Right. But like, okay, then I'm going to take action. It just reminds me, this is this is just a reference to something within the past 24 hours in my life, you know, of going to a place that I go to every Tuesday evening at a certain time because that's something that I've committed to doing. And most of the time, I don't feel like going. And that was the case last night. 
I then look at my whoop and it informs me that I got four and a half hours of sleep the night prior. And I'm like, oh, well, no wonder I'm starting to feel tired and it's creeping into the evening hours and I'm tired. I don't want to go. At this point, thankfully, I've identified that the value of the choice to do the thing, regardless of how I feel about the thing, is the choice that I'm choosing consistently. Yeah, we we live in a world that's so focused on how we feel about to- stuff. Totally. And most of it's complete nonsense. Uh-huh. Complete nonsense. We're so overwhelmed by the intensity of the feeling in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly dumb. Mm-hmm. And they're in... In psychology, they represent how powerful ideas or feelings or memories are. If you were to look at uh, a series of balls, let's say, um, what are they? Beach balls. Okay. So we've got a bunch of beach balls lined up. Those are all of the... Which island are those on? (laughs) Whatever island we ended up on. Oh, okay, cool. The island we ended up on, there's a lot of beach balls. And they're also at the specific part of the island that we finally decided. Okay, cool. So we're there. We've arrived. Beach balls. Right next to the beach balls. Okay, cool. As we look down the line of beach balls, the closest one to us will be our most recent feeling, our most recent experience, our most recent emotion. And we look down the line and past the one we're standing next to, they appear to get smaller, but they're all the same size. Mm -hmm. Our perspective is messed up. Mm -hmm. We don't think good. We're not nearly as smart as we would like to be, Mm -hmm. any of us. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we screw ourselves by this weird mix of mild intelligence and intense emotion or feeling. And then we do the thing that we've decided we want to do as opposed to going, when you're in a place where you feel really good, where you feel your most powerful, where you feel your most focused, you make a plan for the person you want to be. It's your job for the rest of the time to act in line with that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it'll feel good and sometimes it'll feel bad. Sometimes it'll rain. Sometimes it'll be sunny. Like you just have to hold yourself accountable to what your best self decided. That's it. And not negotiate with it Mm. regardless of the size of the beach ball next to you. And that's, that ties back into what you did four years ago, which I still, I think my biggest takeaway already from this conversation is the idea that that occurred four years ago. To me, that's just exciting because I, I view you as someone who's quite smart and done a lot of interesting things in life and so to note that a whopping four years ago you pivoted hard and took some of those actions is just interesting as your friend uh to know and then also i just like i'm grateful that you did it you know it all led to you getting here and with carrie no less and so that's gonna take me to something i do want to talk about are you are you good to i'm ready all right okay so your partnership with Carrie is the biggest priority in your life. Yes. Okay. Also shout out Carrie. Uh, I feel so we've gotten to get like closer and closer. And then whenever we were at rogue and we got to have that like at length conversation and she like took the steering wheel and was like, I'm driving now. And I was like, yeah, let's go (laughs) put me in. I'll be your co-pilot. Uh, anyway, um, I love her. So I feel like really excited when we get to get closer because you and I like work together or whatever. Right. (laughs) Like, okay, but let me hang out with your wife. So anyway, okay. Because this is such a priority to you, I am very curious, as you well know, about partnership. And I know that we touched on this to some degree in the last episode that we did. 
but I'm going to keep digging and talking and so on because I want to continue to learn. And I believe that some of your values there are in alignment to some degree and I want to learn from you and maybe I don't agree with everything, but I want to know what you think. So long-term partnership would be identified as a, like a sacrificial thing for a bigger thing. Right. So this is like a, like a Peterson hot take, like a Jordan Peterson hot take. Okay. So the essence of sacrifice, it's the essence of humanity as you mature, your relationships are more sacrificial. It's less about what you in your narrow sense want right now, and it's more about what's good over the medium to long run, including other people. He believes this is the way to have the world reveal itself to you in its most positive guise. And then I have multiple, look at my, all of my references. I'm like, I have a reference over here and a Loaded. reference over here. We're getting it together, but we're coming, we're heading somewhere. So bear with me. Mm. You've okay. So you've said before that you firmly believe that you wouldn't be the man that you are if you did not have that relationship. Definitely. And I kind of just want you to talk more about that because in that thing that I'm pulling that little excerpt from, from Jordan Peterson, which I happen to not saying I agree with everything that he says, but I, I like a lot of what he says. And in that was a much longer dialogue, of course, between him and your favorite Chris Williamson. <laughs> Modern Wisdom is the most recent one they did, and it was my favorite interview of Jordan I've heard yet, and I've heard quite a few. And he talked about this long-term partnership thing and his opinion of it, and it was very, it was a very strong opinion. And I don't want to misquote him, but it was very clear that that he felt strongly that what you gained access to as a direct result of choosing to do that thing was worthwhile and that you're a different, hmm, what do I say? Like level of a human for choosing to do so. Right. So yeah, I just kind of want you to unpack like your thoughts on that. So I think I've contemplated how someone can measure love or quantify love. And I think it's, it's directly synonymous with sacrifice. What you would sacrifice more for, you love more. I think you could use those as synonyms. So the parent who won't get up off the couch to play with their kid because their favorite sport is on, I'm like, oh, you love football more than Timmy. Like, cool, you're going to be really upset when you hear that or if somebody says that to you, but you're, you're demonstrating it. The parent who sits in front of their kid on their phone at a restaurant instead of talking to them, like, you love Instagram more than Sally. It's all good. Like, I might think you're a piece of garbage for it. And you'll be resentful of somebody saying it to you, but you're demonstrating it. Mm. So I think I think that idea hits the nail on the head. But I also think it's sacrifice that gives life meaning. And I think you can find that across all cultures, across all times, across all major religions that I am aware of. Mm -hmm. It is only in sacrifice that you, you get value, that you get anything more meaningful. And that's the idea of a sacrifice. I'm giving up this to get this. It's a value proposition. Mm -hmm. uh, I also think, I think men need missions. I think men need jobs. I think men need things to protect and provide for. I think protection and providing and protection are the, the thing that makes men men, or at least makes a man I admire. And I think those get confused with simply the external versions. 
as in protection means I'll beat somebody up if they break into the house and providing means here's money. But I think there's also internal reflections of those. I think protecting people from negativity, I think protecting people from the stress of the world and the ways that you can, I think protecting the people you love from your own stress means something. Mm. I think providing an example, providing support, providing inspiration are eternal attributes of that. So I think there's an inside and outside version. But all of those come at a cost. And the only people we admire in anything are people that sacrifice. It's the most comical idea to me that we can watch a movie, we can read the Bible, we can look at anyone throughout history and admire them for sacrifice, admire them for struggle, which is a form of sacrifice. I'm sacrificing comfort, happiness, time, sweat, equity, whatever. Those are the only people we admire. Mm Mm-hmm. But we never want to be them in the moment. Like when it's happening, mm-hmm. like this sucks. Why me? I'm like, God damn it. Like you're, <laughs> this is what's supposed to happen. Like mm-hmm. we don't love Rocky because he woke up one day, didn't drink any eggs, didn't go run, didn't get in shape and just beat Apollo Creed. We love him for the struggle. Yeah. We love him for the fight. And it. And for the work that he did. Yeah. And the hardship he endured. Yeah. And it, that's where the meaning comes from Mm -hmm. and to try to circle that back around to where you started Mm -hmm. love is sacrifice and i think the more you love someone the the bigger the list below them in terms of your priorities and the smaller the list above them in their priorities i was talking to somebody about uh what if somebody broke into your house there were all these videos like people being like what do you think your stuff is more important than somebody's life i'm like oh like you're a nerd like, you suck. Like, what, what's most important to me is the people that sleep in that house. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't value anyone's life more than Carrie and Breezy. Breezy being the 15-year-old daughter, for those of you who are wondering. Shout out, Breezy! <laughs> <laughs> I don't value anyone's life more than, more than theirs, including mine. Mm-hmm. Including mine. Like, so it's... I would sacrifice me for them. Mm-hmm. I would sacrifice anything else for them. Mm-hmm. I think love and sacrifice, like I said at the beginning, are synonymous. Yeah. Or at least directly correlated. Did you... How did you arrive at this disposition about all of this? Because you didn't always necessarily have this being the protector provider for these people I care deeply about is a priority to me. And now it is. So I learned what love was Uh from a dog named Lily. Oh yeah. I know Lily. So I adopted Lily, um, six months maybe into opening my first gym. So I was sitting in this warehouse. I didn't have a lot of members. I didn't have a ton of clients spending a lot of time by myself. And the girl I was dating at the time is like, Hey, I think you're getting a little weird. Like, you're not like ready to star in The Shining yet, like the Al Nicholson movie. Oh gosh, whatever. I'm trash with movie references. I'm sorry. Okay. So he like goes and lives <laughs> in this abandoned hotel and goes crazy. Okay. It's like you're getting a little bit weird. Yeah, I've seen that actually. Now that you say it, I've seen it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. She's like, maybe you should get a pet. I'm like, I don't want a pet. I've never had a dog. I've never had a like. I don't. I don't even like dogs. She's like, you need something. So I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I'll get like a big scary gym dog. So I go to the pound where they had a a big mastiff and some other giant dog 
And both of them didn't seem very nice. Like one of them, you had to pay for eye surgery, and I had no money. So mm. like, no, I'm not adopting a charity project. And the other one just wasn't very nice. So I'm walking around the pound, and this little white dog stands up and paws at the glass every time I walk by, and then just stares at me. And I still have a picture before I met the dog. I was like, this dog's so weird. Took a picture of her. So Lil, and I could tell the whole story. I don't know. I don't have to get into everything. Um, but she had been beaten and starved, and they found her. Like She ended up, when I had her, around 60, 65 pounds and was shredded. Like The dog looked like, like a jacked little bodybuilding dog. But at the pound, she weighed 40 pounds. So 20, 25 pounds on a 40-pound body is really starved. Sure. Uh, but they told me she had all these emotional issues. She was aggressive. She was bad with men. She would bite people, whatever. So I convinced them that I... I convinced them that I could handle a problematic dog, which was a complete lie. So I sit down in this little room on a bench, and I've got a T-shirt on with a zip-up hoodie over it, and it's kind of unzipped to my belly button. And I'm sitting there, and they bring her on a leash to the door. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, of course. And I had no business saying that. Mm -hmm. I had pet a dog in years. And they unclip her from the leash, and she runs at me. I'm like, this dog's going to bite my face. I'm leaving here with stitches. Like, why did I tell this lie? <laughs> this dog is going to bite me. And she jumped on me, put her head in the hoodie, and just snuggled into me. And my heart broke. Like, it's... And so, immediately, I'm signing the papers to a doctor. Yeah. Um, I ended up naming my gym after her. So, she was the logo. It was called Lil's Gym. She was there but every day. But that dog taught me what it meant to love something mm -hmm. it was we were together 24 hours a day we'd get up together go to the gym together go for a walk come back home go to sleep like that dog was the first genuine love of my life and taught me about this feeling yeah that's pretty cool it yeah i i think about her every day still yeah, yeah. no i can see your you are because this is audio only people cannot see you're literally emotional like yeah. i can see it in your face it's all over you yeah what a blessing to be able to experience she was a little miracle yeah that dog yeah okay any other notes on marriage before we head off anything else there because you said before we started i said what are you even thinking about and you said thinking about my goals also thinking about my relationship I think this is going to be slightly unfair to the female listeners, but too bad. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I'm the captain now. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what my demo is, to be honest. There's both. Um, well, ladies, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I hope some woman come on here and give you good advice. This is strictly for men. Okay. Uh, no matter who the man is. If he can convince a good woman to marry him, he will become a better man. He will have a better life. I think one of the, the single most important decisions a man can make for his own benefit is to find a good woman to marry. Mm. I, I, it's like a cheat code mm -hmm. to life for men. Mm -hmm. And women, if you're a good woman who marries a crappy guy, you might be bringing him up to your own deficit. That's on you. I hope a woman could give you some advice. I yeah. When I, and I would love to see this play out over time. You know, I think that the, uh, obviously the reverse of that should be true, right? Like if you are a woman who comes alongside a man who 
thinks well, behaves well, whatever, lives with integrity, uh, is accountable. Oh, this is great. This is going straight where I, this, all right, you know what? <laughs> Let's just go. So I wanted to talk about green flags today. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and this is green flags. Okay. So I want to ask you, what are green flags to you? But before, so you just kind of sit with that, but I've been thinking about green flags. And so sure, you can think of those in context of a romantic relationship, but also in any relationship with another human, whether it's a business partner or a friendship, one of your very best friends, any, anyone who gets access to you. And so my thought is, realistically, I believe that a listener is probably going to listen to you and decide that they think you're kind of cool. I think you're kind of cool. <laughs> and the, the idea of spending more time around someone who maybe is something like you would be a desirable thing, right? I then think about the people that are in my life that I desire more of their time, or at least that I feel like they add their big green flags in my life. So maybe, and honestly, some of those, they really don't have a lot of time to give, but they add so much value by just existing in near proximity that like they're a green flag to me and I would take what I can get. Right. So then I think about what are the character traits that I feel like those individuals have, what are things that they live by, et cetera, that make them so desirable to me. And then what are like, so then I can take and apply those one, like are the, so if I identify green flags, I can do a few things with this, right? Like I can go, okay, are the people that are around me near proximity to me, my circle, my inner circle, are they green flag people? Or am I talking about people that I don't even have a relationship with? And so could I then audit my own close proximity to be at more green flag territory? And then also, of course, with self is like, I'm immediately going like, am I a green flag? Do I behave in a way that's a green flag to others? Because of course, if I'm going to attract more people like that, I'm going to have to behave that way. It's kind of like a recent experience that I've been working through where I have a lot of fear and it's relational. And I'm like, no, it's fear of self before it's fear of you. You know, like I gotta, so I gotta become accountable to self. I gotta be proactive here before I can really be too concerned with what you do. Anyway, green flags. And don't get me wrong, I have a list of my own written down, so I came prepared and I can start to rattle some off. I'm excited to hear them. (laughs) Um, That is a heavy question because I think the easy answer is like you just feel it. And what a stupid answer. Like, what a cop out. <laughs> Your feelings don't mean shit. Yeah, I'm like you'll just, just know. I'm like, oh God, this is the answer I'm gonna give. Um I I would say there are two or three that immediately started coming to mind as I started to think about it. I'm literally gonna make notes because I think your opinion's interesting. <laughs> the most the most boring one. Oh, I'm gonna give you four. The most boring one is that they're honest. And that's such a cop out green flag. Because if you look at the alternative, nobody wants to hang out with somebody who lies. So honest is the first one, but that's kind of a cop-out throwaway answer because I assume everybody would be thinking it. It feels highly relevant to me. Fair. Fair. I just think it's an easy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, I want to be around people who think their own thoughts. I prefer that a lot of the people I spend time with do not agree with me, at least not across the board. Yep. 
but I don't want somebody to disagree with me and repeat to me ideas they remember somebody else giving them. The vast majority of people I don't believe think at all. They remember things they've heard and they spin them around in their head. Like like a bunch of dryer balls rolling around and they just pull one out and somebody else's words are written on it and they say it to you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, could anything be more boring? Mm-hmm. Like I want I want a unique thought. I want your own thought. So people who think for themselves is a very green flag to me, especially if they disagree because that makes it interesting. Sure. Next... I would say somebody who is driven towards something and I don't care what, I don't care if you want to make the best fanny packs in the world. I don't care if you're driven to be a NASCAR driver. I don't care if you're driven to be the best mom or dad you can be or to have the nicest garden, but you actively are driven towards something. You're pursuing something meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. And last, last and not least last and maybe most that they're energetic. The amount of people who have, who are lethargic in every area of their life. They think lethargically. They move lethargically. They speak lethargically. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting, and I don't understand it. A massive green flag to me is energy, and I think if people are energetic, they likely have all of those other things already. It's very hard to find somebody who's driven or intelligent or honest who doesn't have genuine energy. Um, those would be my four off the top of my head. I love that. I'm so glad I asked this question. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what are some the of energetic yours? part. Oh. Yeah. The energetic part is so cool. Like it's just, that's not on my list. And I, that wouldn't have, I, I don't, I don't know how it would have gotten there. And now that you say it, I'm like, see, and this is why bouncing ideas off of someone else's brain is so cool because now I get to consider something that I wasn't previously thinking about and see, do I agree? What do I think about that? Think about it a little bit. Maybe apply it in some way in my own. Okay, if I'm iterating on this green flags thing and taking a look at what's around me, then can I apply that? Are the people that I'm choosing to be around energetic individuals? Because I like that. I like what you said. I like that. Uh, am I an energetic individual? Which I don't think any of us need to like. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just mean that's like, well, let's let's turn it back on ourselves like right. I want to for everything. We're not worried about if I'm energetic. I've lost my shit on that front. <laughs> um, and it's it's it kind of messy. Okay, so what comes up for me, obviously honesty is certainly there and I have that written, written second, but that's a big one because yes. And so what, you know, when I think of honesty, then it's what you said at the very beginning of you made that list of who am I now? Who do I, you know, what's the person that I want to be doing the audit. And when I think of honesty, I think of, you know, honest with self first. And so am I truly honest with myself? Am I even acquainted with self? That's a, that's a tough one, but I can't be honest with you. Truly, if I don't know where I stand. 100%. Even if you're, if you're not honest with self, you can attempt to be honest with other people. Mm-hmm. And you won't even know, at least not about the important things. Mm-hmm. And that's messy and that's hard. That's confusing. You know, one of the things that I've been taught that I do happen to agree with is that I'm a bit delusional. Like, like humans, we just kind of are. And that's something that's been taught to me that I agree with personally. And so then to know that I'll do the best that I can with that, but... I'm a bit delusional. So maybe what's honest to me right this moment isn't all the full story yet. You know, I'm just trying to sort that through. So another one for me is clear priorities. So what I mean by that is 
it creates a lot of peace for me. If you're a person that's in my life and I care about my relationship with you and I know where your priorities are and I do not believe that we can have many of them. And I want to say maybe you were even the individual who told me about the, that becoming a plural term in, in more recent history. So wasn't even a plural term, but now is either way I can absolutely identify people that stand high, high in my brain of that's somebody I want to continue to cultivate a relationship with. And I feel pretty clear on their priorities. So they've gotten clear enough on them for themselves. And then they behave in such a way where I'm not saying I know every detail, but it just creates a sense of peace. I'm not going to ask you to go do something that I know that you're absolutely uninterested in. It's not a priority to you. And so then take that back to self again. Are my priorities so clear to those around me? I have to know myself well enough to know what they are. And then are they so clear to everyone else around me that they're, you know, it just, the whole thing is a sense of peace thing to me. So do they have clear priorities? That's a green flag. Honesty, green flag. Accountability, accountability to self, accountability to others. You know, do you show up where you show, where you say that you'll show up, when you say you'll show up? If you do that consistently, you're a huge green flag to me. Uh, another one is just consistency. Like, are they consistent? Which then ties into the accountability and the clear priority thing. But like, are they consistent? That's something that I've really started to take a further look at in more recent history. Because what I find is when people behave in consistent manners, my nervous system is like more chill about that. Like, I'm not waiting for you to do something that I didn't see coming. And that's calming for me which if anything, like with the nervous system is so inundated all the time. So anything that I can do relationally to like bring that down a notch is like cool. Um, someone who doesn't brag, just live a cool life. You don't have to tell me how cool it is. Just live a cool life. I'll know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I do like it when people are not judgmental and they're compassionate, not that they are, uh, just giving everybody a pass, whatever, obviously like, but simply, I, I like it when it's not, uh, you're the worst. Uh, yeah. And then the ability to apologize is a green flag. So those are mine. I like those. <laughs> I like most of those. Yeah, I was gonna say, the judgment one, you're probably like, nah. Yeah, I hate that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I love when people <laughs> are judgmental. Um, yeah. As long as they apply it to themselves and others. Yeah. The people I despise are the judgmental people who do don't own a mirror. Mm. Um, but I like those in general a lot. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> surprised by most of those. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's see. There are a couple of other things. There's some random stuff. Oh, you know what? Okay. So one, I wanted to read something else to you, which I think is funny because we talk about the independent thought thing and then like the whatever, but I'm reading a book right now. Okay. And it's called Grit. It's by Angela Duckworth. And so I'm going to just read a few sentences from this that, that ties back into some other stuff we talked about, about head a general direction, seek, you will find more information, you'll get more clarity, but you need to go to figure it out, right? So this is in regards to purpose. And so I'm just going to read a few sentences, okay? I'm ready. Okay. So it's about purpose. Interest is one source of passion. Purpose, the intention to contribute to the well-being of others, is another. The more common sequence is to start out with a relatively self-oriented interest 
then learn self-discipline practice, and finally integrate that work with other-centered purpose. At its core, the idea of purpose is the idea that what we do matters to people other than ourselves. And then in her grit lexicon, she says that purpose means the intention to contribute to the well-being of others. So just been reading this, and, and there's a bunch more actually that I read even this morning that we won't go into, but just kind of been thinking a lot about like what you choose to do for a living, what I choose to do for a living. And it like stemmed from this, I want this information for me. And by now it's become way more, I need to share this. What do you think? Do you agree or disagree? I feel like I have a slightly argumentative Bring it on. bent today. I want you to argue about it. Um, so let's take, let's take fitness okay. as an example. Mm -hmm. It's a good one for us. Agreed. We are obsessed. Agreed. No. So we both done the same thing. I want this information for me. Now I'm in a place where I can share it with others, et cetera, et cetera. We get the privilege of doing that as a job. Mm -hmm. Who is the, what is it? Tia Kumi. Tumi. Tia, Tia Claire Tumi. Say that again slowly. Tia Claire Tumi. Tia Claire Tumi. I met her at the Rogue briefly. Uh -huh. uh, very impressive athlete. She's like the top female CrossFitter-ish. Yeah? Between performance and notoriety? Of all time. Great. Okay. Notoriety. Mm, there's a lot. I mean... She's very notable. Yeah, there's a bunch of notable ones for a bunch of different reasons. As far as for performance, uh, she's absolutely all okay. time. If all she did was pursue her own results and share what she was doing for herself, how many lifetimes do you think I would have to be a coach to inspire or help the same number of people? The capacity in which you're being a coach, I guess, is my, my thought, because we have the internet today, and your reach has changed because people have access to you. Agreed, but my reach doesn't touch her reach. Not yet. No, and potentially never. Uh, but what if it did? But fair. Do you think I'll ever be able to inspire and help as many people as Jordan, Michael Jordan, inspired to play basketball? Or See, Muhammad Ali inspired to box? This is tough because this is where my delusional optimism, she runs off with things. And I truly believe that like incredible things are possible. So how many coaches do you think are capable of doing that? Great question. There we go. That was a good reframe. How many coaches do I think are worth? What percentage? Are, <sighs> You're right. It's, it's far fewer because I then can think of coaches of athletes. That's where I'm going to go from here that have written books that I've read that I quite enjoy. And they would be ones that I would identify as having a broad reach and yet, it's not nearly the reach of the athlete. Not even close. So, I'm going to throw this microphone on the ground right now. <laughs> I think the, the idea she's presenting in that book is very nice. Yep. I think the idea that we have to get caught up in, hey, the next step is how do you then make it about, uh, get lost. Ah! The amount of people <laughs> who will inspire millions yes. or tens of millions mm -hmm. just focused on their own pursuit because they become this beacon of inspiration is an incredibly powerful thing. They don't have to then switch 
like Michael Jordan could have played in the NBA for a couple of years and be like, I have to help others. Maybe I'll start a high school basketball program in Chicago. Dude, I love this. This is why I like hanging out with you. I'm so glad you challenge all of this because it's like, anyway, keep going. That's it. Like that's if, well, that's really it. I, I think we like to make these steps. Like here's the, the way to self-actualize next. I'm like, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, Yeah. but I can think of thousands of examples where this person didn't bother switching into, well, how can I do this for others? Mm-hmm. And inspired the hell out of people. Yep. I'm going to speak out of my depth here because I don't know anything about golf nor about the stat that I'm about to make up. So Tiger Woods was the first black golfer to be allowed to play somewhere in Georgia, I think, Augustus, Augusto, whatever. They I mean, you have... just went to West Virginia, so I don't know. Right. But <laughs> black players were banned from playing there. Okay. He won a spot, then won the event, and the next year, the previous winner picks the dinner. So he picked stereotypical black items to piss off all the racist people that have been running this golf course. He's like, I want fried chicken and, I don't know, grits or collard greens or whatever. Mm. How many black kids would feel like they could go play golf now because Tiger Woods exists Mm -hmm. and existed compared to who would have felt that before. Mm -hmm. It's like the first black guy to play in the NHL. How many kids feel inspired by, felt inspired by Muhammad Ali or Floyd Mayweather or how many white kids started thinking they could do hip hop because of Eminem. Mm -hmm. He didn't need to stop doing hip hop and go start actually trying to do something for others so he could actualize the way Angela Duckworth says he needs to. I love this. He just did his own pursuit. Mm -hmm. If he had felt called for something else, that's wonderful. But the idea that you're only on step one, if you don't do her step two, is so goddamn lame. And I also have a, a really hard time when people make money from something where they're teaching you that your calling is to step out of selfishness and help others. Angela Duckworth could have posted this as a free PDF. Mm -hmm. Hey, everybody, here's what you need to know, because I'm now on step two where I'm helping others. It's not about me anymore, but it is about her when she signs a book deal and you have to buy this. And I don't begrudge her for it. Yeah. I'm like, slow down. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And of course, what I enjoy about it is that I, I really like being useful to other people, like, like too much. I like it a lot. Me, me too. Yeah. That's like I, for my own self-esteem to be able to walk around feeling good, I have to feel useful to others. Right. But I, I haven't pretended that elevates me past the people who are solely focused on their own pursuit. Totally. Yeah. It's such a great point. And then to just remember that just because it's something that, so like those, those pages resonate with me because today in my own pursuit with where I am, right. You know, whatever. It's like, okay, now you've you've gained some awareness on this thing that, that now you're getting to go use it for others, you know? And that's, so like it resonates deeply with me because I'm like, yeah, I'm totally, totally with you. I like need to share this in order to be like, okay. You know, so that's just, so it's fun to then think just because you feel that way doesn't mean everyone else does. And that doesn't make anybody any better or worse. It just means that we are what different humans. Absolutely. And so I, I don't disagree that this is a valuable pursuit. Sure. I completely disagree with the idea of it's step one, two, three, as it's an elevated pursuit. Like, get lost. Like, the amount of people... Jeff Bezos 
however many billions of dollars he made, allowed his wife to become the biggest, or his ex-wife, to become the biggest charitable donor on the planet. Like there's a trickle down from him just trying to do one thing. And if he had made a hundred million bucks and then decided what he was going to do was start helping others so he could self-actualize the way Duckworth wants him to, <laughs> then there are billions of dollars his ex-wife would not have been able to give to other people. I'm not well. This poor woman. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. I love it. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to ask you, there's, I posted on the internet a whopping hour ago that I was going to do this interview <laughs> with you because I didn't think previously that anyway, so we have a question for you that, <laughs> I'm ready. that I think will be fun. So why is Craig turning towards other styles of training? Why is he choosing to be less dogmatic? Oof. For what it's worth, this is someone who does know you personally. Fair. Yep. Um, Part of me wants to approach the insult I feel with dogmatic. <laughs> um, so, I have started trying to broaden my pursuits physically, uh, really for one particular reason. So, prior to modern Craig, I've always had a very specific training goal. There How was, long has modern Craig been here? Not that long. Okay. When I'm saying modern Craig, I mean most recent Craig. Within the past four years. Oh, God. Within the past year. Okay. I'll go modern. Every iteration of me prior has had a very specific training goal. When I was 17, I met Scotland's Strongest Man. I was like, I have to be a pro strongman, and I have to get tattoos, and that's what I have to do. So in five years, I went from 150 pounds to 300 pounds. Mm. Ended up at 320, competed as a pro strongman. After that, it was like, I'm going to fight. Had some boxing matches, Muay Thai fights, et cetera, et cetera. After that, I'm like, I'm going to do the Army. So I need to be like super soldier level of fitness and I'm going to run a marathon. Then I was like, I'm going to get super jacked. And then coming not more now into where I'm at, I don't have a, a strong particular training goal. So I reverted to the thing I like the most, which is just be big and strong. Mm -hmm. That's fun for me. Mm -hmm. And then we had a meeting at Onnit where they introduced the trainer standards. So 10 tests that every trainer had to do and you had to meet seven out of 10 of them. And I looked at the list. I'm like, cool. There's a few strength ones here. Bing, bing, bing. That's easy. I'll do some of the more power-based cardio ones. Boom. I'll get my seven. I'm done. And then that night, I was ashamed of myself. I'm like, I'm trying to cop out of at least three of these. I'm cherry-picking the easiest ones. And why? I'm not trying to be a pro strongman again. I'm not trying to run a marathon again. I'm not trying to meet these specific standards for the military again. I'm, I'm not a specialist in anything. Mm -hmm. I should be embarrassed hiding from this. So never in my life have kettlebells served a purpose better than some other piece of equipment would serve that purpose. But if I want to meet the kettlebell standards, they serve a very direct training purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like, so there's the standards from on it. I'd like to do, it's called the beast tamer. It's a pull-up pistol and press with a 48 kilo kettlebell. Okay. So I'm like, cool, that seems hard. That's just over 100 pounds, single kettlebell. Yeah. Pull up, so weighted with it. Yep. So like a 100 pound pistol, 100 pound pull up, 100 pound single arm You're press. holding the kettlebell in a goblet squat, yes. or goblet position and doing a, a pistol. pistol squat, which you were doing those on your story today. Yeah. Look at you go. So I'm like, cool, I'll do that. Okay. I'm going to run 
this fast for a mile, beat the Onnit standard here. I'm What's the Onnit standard for the mile? I think it's under seven minutes. Thank God. Because um, I'm like, I don't want to do another one, but I got it. We're good. Yeah. <sighs> and my plan is to do all of that weighing over 250. Like, that would be cool. I'll be like big, lean, jacked. I'll do all this cool stuff. I'll be very well-rounded. I was going to say, that's I think the thing with all of those tests that's really cool as we are both coaches at that facility, which I think we both feel strongly that it's like such a cool thing that we get to like claim that and do that. Wild. I am obsessed. I love, I love being here. Um, it's so fun. I always say that that facility is just like, it's just like a jungle of fitness like a jungle. Like there's all of these different species doing all of these different activities and like good luck getting bored. You know, I mean, you're just, you're going to be entertained. You're going to question things. You're going to like, it's cool. Agreed. Um, agreed. And so my plan, whatever area of that jungle I'm in, I might not be the absolute best at it. Like I'll go squat, five, six plates, I'll deadlift five, six plates for reps, I'll bench four plates. Like in my particular zone, I'm solid, but I don't want to get punked in anybody else's area of the forest mm -hmm. or jungle. Yep. Like whatever area I'm in, I'm going to be dangerous. So you're just in a zone of I want to be more well-rounded. Yeah, if I'm not going to specialize, yep. I'm not just going to float. Like I'm, I'm going to do something. Totally. So what's the intense goal if it's not an area of specialization? Then mm -hmm. it has to be broader. Mm -hmm. I love it. I, I think, yeah, all the tests are fun. I haven't done all of them, but they are really cool. I know that one of them was like the heaviest Turkish getup that you could do. Yeah. Have you done that one? Yeah. That was the first time I did Turkish getups. Ever? Um, yeah. Same thing like that on it video snatching. I talked to Eric at the gym for three, four minutes and uh -huh. watched a Hannah Eden video and then did like the on it. Which by the way, test. she's wonderful. Anyway. And her video was great. And yeah. I like whatever her accent is. She's really, yeah. She's originally London, I, I believe. UK. Yeah. It's cool. It's yeah. slick. Yeah. It's like, this makes this video more enjoyable. She's also just, I've been so, she came on the podcast recently a few episodes yeah. ago and told her like birthing story. It was crazy. It was so cool. But I've gotten, gotten to observe her for over a year now. I didn't know who she was till I was on it either. And then of course she's got this huge brand. Um, now I'm just going on it. But I've watched her. And am amazed at like the way she engages with people. She's so present with them and she gives them her energy. And I just have tremendous respect for that. And yes, then also uh, I've been coached by her and I'm like, oh, you are a vibe. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's wicked. So uh, yeah, I watched one of her videos okay. about kettlebell stuff and was like, mm -hmm. well, I guess I'll try a Turkish get up. And whatever the one is, I think they went four kilo increments. I hit a 44 on each arm uh -huh. um, and couldn't do the 48 well. Like I could get up and get right down to the bottom, but couldn't like very casually hit the floor. Uh -huh. uh, but that was my first time trying them. So I assume it'll be fine next time. That's awesome. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I don't ever do that movement either. And then I think, I don't know if you were there that day or not. I don't know, but I did like pick a fight with it one day and I posted about it. I remember. And I got it. I think, what was it? It's 72 pounds. That's like 34 kilos or something it's like that. Big. Yeah. And I was not letting that go. And I mean, my elbow was like, could we not? I mean, it's completely fine, but it was so hard. Uh, but we got it done, you know, because that's what we do. I'm uh, what was another? There was another one that was really cool. One of the tests that, I don't know, they are just, they're very fun. I can't remember what the other, oh, oh, no, this was not one of the tests. I just wanted to tell you because, oh, no, this is a brag. I said, I don't like it when people brag. Never mind. I'm not going to tell you that. 
please. It was just a cool fitness thing to accomplish. What was it? It was a te- maybe we'll just use it. it was a testament to progressive overload. So like when you choose to continue to try to lift heavier weights. Did you post about it like two days ago? Yep. Was it a split squat? With 80s. Yeah, that's big. Dude. Split squats with 80 pound dumbbells is aggressive yes i'm literally next week i'm going to elevate my front foot and get greater range of motion so that i can decrease load i'm over it <laughs> that's where i'm at that's cool though. <laughs> anyway shit i bragged okay um all right so i think that makes for a wonderful episode if you think so so do i is there anything else that you would like to address that we did not no for all the people that made it this far uh, oh this was great i appreciate you yes um no, that's it. I uh, I don't quite mean to be inherently argumentative, but I would encourage people to adopt a mindset of critical thinking when they hear things, mm-hmm. especially things they hear in their own head. Well, and it's one of my favorite things about you is that when I speak to you, you will challenge things, and I quite enjoy it. You do it in a form that's not... Like, I, I don't ever feel threatened by it or like I cannot have communication, you know, because that's the thing I can certainly think of people in my life where it's like if we disagree on something, it's going to be really uncomfortable and we can disagree comfortably. And I enjoy that. Like when you can do so comfortably, like now I get to have my thought challenged. I get to walk away from that and like sit with it and process it and maybe look at it through a different lens. So it's one of my favorite things about you because I don't ever feel attacked through the experience. I'm grateful. My idea, my, my mental vision Mm -hmm. is that each of us have a sword and the sword is our opinion. And each of them are made out of different materials. Uh And you think your material is correct. And I think my material is correct. And my idea is we will bang them together so we can both find out which one cracks. Well, I, I don't know that I'm right. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even, I want to be shown where I'm, you know, it's like the poking holes in the thing, you know, like show me where mine is not as well-rounded as it could be, please. A hundred percent. One of my favorite little moments in my relationship with Carrie uh, early on, I had her over to my apartment. I was cooking her dinner, and we ended up in this like religious debate. Um, and we were talking about like specific passages from the Bible. We were debating them back and forth, and I was pretty sure I was right, which is why I launched my opinion to begin with. Oh, I know this story because she told it to me. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And we get like right near the end, and she says something, and I just froze. And I turned around and looked at her. And I'm like, okay, I'm dropping my opinion and I'm adopting yours. She's like, what? I, I wasn't trying to make you do that. I'm like, no. You can poke holes in mine that I can't poke in yours. You have the stronger view of this. It's better. I forget it. I'm 100% on your side with this. Unless we find something better. I'm in. Like, and that's what, I, that's what I'm looking for with this. Yeah. If I, if I just wanted to beat my opinion on something, I'd get a heavy bag. I want to spar. Mm-hmm. I want to see what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate you doing that with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm just here having a, I don't know how well I do it, but I'll, I'll give it a good whirl. Okay. So, and I just, it's, it's educational for me. Like, I think that's the thing is this is even just doing this podcast, you know, just continuing to, I don't, I don't know where it's going, but I do know that it's a really cool opportunity to like iterate on ideas and have conversations that, that are somehow in this container that I'm going to be able to reflect back on. That's like really cool. And then maybe like 
you happen to be someone that I think that if I were to introduce anyone else to you and they were to have a conversation with you, I feel like it would be a, like they would, it would be a positive experience for them. So the idea that maybe we can take and use this little thing and expose people to new and different ideas. I, I like that. Me as well. Yeah. So, uh, okay. What are three things that you're grateful for today? <laughs> I am, I am grateful for Carrie. Uh huh. I am grateful for Breezy. Uh-huh. And genuinely, every, every time, I'm not very good at keeping track of how old I am. The girls relayed to me maybe a month ago that I'd been telling people I was a year older than I was for six months. I had no idea, uh, <laughs> which really surprised me. Like I made them tell me they were sure. Um, but every time I go through like another calendar year and have to check that off, it genuinely surprises me to be alive. I, I, I had no, I didn't think I was going to make it this far. Mm-hmm. Um, and at times I didn't really want to. Uh, but now I'm, I'm grateful that I've made it this far and don't have the end in sight, at least visibly. I mean, yeah. Be around the corner, but. Yeah. And you, you want to be here now. Yeah. Yeah. And That's before cool. I didn't believe it and didn't care. Um, but it's, it's nice. I want as much time as I can get. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. There are certain stages of life that I feel like it gets hard to, I don't know. I just, I have a lot of respect for as much as like, we've got to take right action and things like that. Like mental health struggles, obviously we know they're, they're a very real thing. And I, uh, I think there are just stages of life where they're more real than others, you know? So it's inspiring to me to think that there can be moments in, other people's lives or they can go, maybe I, I didn't know that this was, I didn't know that I felt so strongly that this was a worthwhile endeavor for me. And then to, you know, continue to, to walk through it anyway and get to places where it's like, no, I feel strongly that this is a worthwhile endeavor is encouraging. I'm glad. Yeah. What, you're, are you sharing your three? Hmm? Are you, are you sharing your three? Uh, yeah. Gratitudes? Good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my three gratitudes today will be, I am grateful for the opportunity to learn through relationship. So just the opportunity to like learn how to better communicate and to just try to do that as best as possible and to be given the space to try to work through that and through through relationships specifically. So, you know, friendships, my, my parents, you name it, like, it's a special experience to, to continue to try to do the thing better and learn as you go, learn more things about yourself. And, um, I guess with that, maybe then the next one would be, I'm grateful for compassion with self because that's something I tremendously struggle with. And so grateful for the ability to pivot and go, wait a second. And this is often, I come to this realization through reaching out to friends when I'm being way too hard on myself for them to go, Hey, so you're an imperfect human and like, that's, that's chill. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. You know? So I'm grateful for people, I suppose, who remind me and then just remembering that like to be human is to be imperfect indefinitely and that's okay. And you can still strive and want to get better. And that's really dope, but it's also okay that 
you know, your imperfections give you a sense of humility. I feel, I feel that way about my own and I appreciate that whenever it makes itself evident. So grateful for that. None of this was planned. This is great. (laughs) Oh, and then my third one I'll be grateful for is a propagated plant from my aunt gave me that is from my dad's plant. So he has this plant that's called a mother of a thousand babies apparently. And there's these really cool little things that drop off of the, I'm so saying this wrong, but anyway, they, and so I guess they, they grow and then they drop off of some of the growths from the plant. And then there's more that anyway, mother of a thousand babies, it looks really, really cool. And my aunt is so sweet and she knows that I love plants today. And so she propagated her own and then she, she took, I went to see her this past weekend and she then propagated from that a piece for me. And so I'll be grateful for that. I think those are wonderful. All right. Where can they find you, support you, hang out with you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram as the Conjugate Cowboy. You can find me anywhere else as Craig Bongelli. Uh, he has cool things coming up. We won't even say what they are, but he's doing more cool things in life. Yeah. Well, I'll be easier to find after that. I'll be coming to the people. They won't be coming to me, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a cool thing. Okay. All right. Uh, I will link that in the show notes. So, Thank you for choosing to be here, Craig. I appreciate your time and energy. Um, Thank you, listener, if you are still here. I so appreciate you. And I just think it's cool. I think that your time is super, super valuable. And so the idea that you've chosen to come spend it here is special to me. So thank you. And if you are still listening, I have to ask that you follow the show, rate, review it wherever you consume it. Or else. Or else. (laughs) I'll be angry and you won't like me when I'm angry. Uh, And also, if you would just share it with somebody that you think it will positively impact. If you feel like that may take place and you want to share it with a friend, with someone that you care about, I would appreciate that tremendously. And we hope that you choose to have a beautiful day. I hope that too.